Welcome to episode 24, I believe, of Lost in Translation with Bobby Martin. Uh, I'm Sam Perkins. Uh, and uh, joining us today is one of my, my all-time favorite players, all-time favorite people that I've interacted with. It's been a very long time since I've seen him. It's given me serious flashbacks, but head basketball coach of Lynn English, uh, former college basketball player at the University of New Hampshire, former professional hooper, um, Alvin Abreu. Alvin, thanks for joining us today. Thank, thanks for having me. Man, it's it is good to have you here, man. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being up in Ludholm with Bobby watching you play, man. I can't believe that was like a decade, more than a decade uh, ago. Yeah. Man. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. I still can't believe it. Um, you know, Al, like you're, you're one of the more remarkable journeys of people that I know. And it's funny. We've had like a UNH connection because we had Gene Bain, then we had Dane DeLegro, and now we've got Alvin Abreu. Uh, my guys of, of of guys that have been on the show our, our most recent guest which is which is pretty funny um but you know when you take a look back and look at just your journey you know you talk about immigrant experience in the United States you talk about when you got here growing up in Lynn which is a pretty hard knock city um you know young father uh you know losing your your own father your mom going through cancer no division one offers coming out of, out of high school, like, and where you are now and where you've gone, like, just do you ever just take a step back and like, and just like look at the journey and think about it a little bit? Um, do the first off, shout out to you guys. You guys are doing a good job on this podcast. I've been checking out the last couple of interviews, even before that. But my guys, Dan and Coach Bain, they were instrumental in my um, experience at UNH. And shout out to you with the documentary. I still. I look back at that like, wow, man. I watched I watched that the other day. That's still <laughs> one of my favorite things I've ever done. Yeah, man. Shout out to you on that, man. That was even when, I, don't, I don't even think when we were filming that we knew it was gonna. Well, you probably did, but I didn't know it was gonna be as impactful for no, me. I had no idea. You know. So shout out to you on that. But you know, to to answer your question, I mean, we come from a sport you know, background where you have to have a short-term memory to move forward with things. And I think, you know, sometimes I'm able to relive those, you know, trials and tribulations that I've had in my life, you know, with my oldest son, Xavier. You know, he's 17 now. He's my firstborn. And a lot of the stuff that I went through was in his early years and, you know, me being a teenager and all that stuff. And, and I'm able to kind of live and look back at some of those things and say, wow, like, you know, you just push through, push forward and, you know, find a way, you know, and that's, that's me in a nutshell. Um, I don't, I don't get caught up in what's going on and I'm always confident that God has me and then I'm, I'm always find a way some way, somehow. But you grew up, you spoke Spanish, right? Uh, first language. First, first I mean, language. I went yeah. to school here, first language. You know, my parents, both my parents were born in Dominican yeah. Republic. My grandparents oh, migrated over. I didn't know that. Dime lo loco. ¿Cómo está la vaina? Yeah, no, no. You know, so Spanish was my first language. I had to learn it in school. I mean, as far as English goes. Um, so in summertime, we spent most of our summers, my sister and I, you know, in Dominican with my family. My grandparents, when they travel every summer. Um, so it became a point where, you know, I had to hang around more later on mm. when I started getting into basketball. But, you know, I had to learn the language here. We have I have cousins of mine that spoke English at the time, like I mentioned in the documentary. And, you know, 
for you to learn your native language is very important, I think, you know, here in, in America, United States, but it's easier the way for, for me where I had to learn English right. versus the other way around, right? Because that's your native language spoken at home. So it was it was it was huge. It was huge just kind of getting over that obstacle with the language barrier. But I learned pretty early, probably in pre K kindergarten around that time I pretty much picked on it. English. So awesome. so so both your parents are, are, are Dominican, but basketball is kind of the, the sports love of your life. So I mean I know what basketball we've talked about it for years, what it meant to you. No one ever pushed you into baseball? <laughs> I tried it, man. <laughs> I played freshman baseball at Lynn Classical. Didn't go so well. I, I'm probably I, I don't like baseball to be honest with you. I mean, mm. I probably get crucified and my Dominican card <laughs> taken away with that, but it's just not it's it's not fast paced for me and, and it never was my thing. I tried it. You know, I stole a couple of bases but okay. it struck out a lot. <laughs> did you um while while you were there, did you uh come in contact with Felipe Lopez and guys like that? In DR? Yeah. No, no. No, man. no. Not during Tito that time. Horford, Tito Horford, none of those guys, the OGs? Not, not in my time. Okay, man. all right. In, in, 09, in 09, when I was at UNH, I did I did get invited to the Dominican national team tryout camp. In that time, it was it was Francisco Garcia, yep. Al Horford, Charlie Villanueva from, mm. the, from UConn at the time. Well, he's in the NBA at that time. Edgar Sosa from Louisville at that time. There was just some, there was some Sosa, dogs on no. that, man. It was it was – it was some competitive practices, and that that got me ready. I remember Coach Harry was like, Coach Bain was like, "Hey, is he coming back?" <laughs> I was like, "Of course I, of course I am." But so I, t- I took the whole summer and I just trained out there yeah. with pros and and did the national team experience, and that was that was a memorable experience in itself. So, what was it like growing up in in Lynn? You know, it's a city that, um, you know, I grew up in Cambridge, and it's like the cities kind of know each other, but like. Lynn was that like it was it was out there a little bit kind of North Shore and it was like you know you just didn't know it that well what, what and you hear a lot of I think stereotypes and different things so what was your experience like as a kid growing up in I mean at the time for me if you were you know I was in the sports so I wasn't really into any of the stuff that you hear stereotypically that from Lynn it, it, I mean not saying it doesn't happen right but it's actually my childhood I had a really Really good childhood as far as where I grew up with five cousins of mine, including my sister. We played kickball. We played manhunt. We played all that, all those fun games in the summertime that you don't see nowadays. And then we'd also get on a bike and just hit up different parks and play ball all day. You know, that was my childhood. That was where you kind of got your hands dirty and you grind it, right? And you get up and go do it the next day. It isn't, no, I'm sore today because we went hard yesterday. We legit... Say we either gonna play. I, I mean, I grew up playing in Kylie Park on the east on Eastland, but that didn't stop us from going to Westland down. Right. You know, by where Classical's at the breed course they call them. We also went to Kerman Circle. We hooped everywhere at that time. You know, and that that was my childhood. Um, but you know, Lynn Lynn, it, it gets crazy if you're if you're not you don't have positive role models around you if you don't have. You know, it's a lot of single-parent households in Lynn, you know, where, where guys are not getting – they don't have a father figure. It's, probably, it's one of the reasons also why I got into coaching after I was done playing because I noticed a lot of kids, you know, they, they can use that positive role model, you know, where we can set some standards and kind of hold them accountable and just kind of just guide them, to be honest with you. How do you um, 
How, how do you feel the kids react to you when you're trying to, uh, the tougher kids, when you're trying to teach them some type of life lesson? Because it usually takes time, right? It does. It and, does. Uh, and then, and that's what we're learning with this with this era. I had to adjust mm-hmm. myself as well because I'm used to my era, right? But as a coach, you, I've learned pretty fast that you have to adjust to how these kids respond now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're not going to all respond to you just reaming them like before because before we just get up and just say, all right, I'll fix it. But now it's different because, you know, there's more awareness in mental health situations with kids. And sometimes you don't know. It's a fine line with that. And you have to legit find a way to kind of connect and where you can. But there's some guys like I've had guys coaching wise that I could say whatever to them and they're like, all right, I got you, coach. You know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So yeah. it's harder nowadays, Bobby, honestly. And as you know, everyone knows, no secret. Everyone says these kids are soft nowadays. <laughs> but, you know, there are some still some dogs out there. And and, this, and, and Lynn, Lynn knows how to breed some dogs when it comes to, you know, athletes as far as basketball. What? Why? Why was it? What was it about basketball? How did you get into it? And then my other question is, you talk about positive role models. I wanted to hear who were some of your positive role models when you were growing up. Sure. I mean, it was just the thing to do. You went to play. But it's hot outside. You went to go play. It wasn't. I never saw it. Like I said, it's never. It wasn't something that I saw that would take me where it took me. Right. It was just like okay. I want to. Everyone's saying they're going to play at Collie Park. They want to play at whatever park is in Lynn. Right. And we go play. You know, and then what happens at those parks is that you might suck one day. You might suck that whole summer, right? You're not really good. And then you start building that competitive juice where it's like, okay, I'm going to come get you because then there's going to be some people talking some trash out there, right? And it's like you you either fold or you get back up and figure that out. And then you just can't wait till the day where it's your turn, right? And then you just kind of have that appetite to continue to get better and be and compete. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of the game is missing is just that appetite just to go out and compete. Forget looking good. Forget anything else. Forget being embarrassed as long as you go out there and compete. And that was me early on was that just how I play hard defense and just kind of like be not worried about stuff. And then mm-hmm. the other skill stuff came along later on. But yeah. the competitive juices was what was what drove me. So was that it was that uh I think they call it the crock pot theory. You know, <laughs> back in the day, your parents cooking a crock pot so it's nice and slow. You know, you get that that taste in it, that flavor. So you put a foot in it, yeah, right? And yeah. you got you got to wait. You got to yeah. wait your turn. Yeah. yeah, and that that I think that probably helps you get tougher. We talked with with Gene about this, and Gene's a little closer in age to me. Uh, you know, I'm kind of right in between you guys. Gene was a senior in in uh, Gene Bain was a senior in in college when I was a senior in high school, but. You know, I'm of the generation, and it was still going on for you, and I've talked to so many people, like, playing pickup at the park, like, it, for all of the skill work kids are getting and all of the exposure that they're getting these days, and, and I think that there's great aspects of that. I'm not here saying, like, oh, there's nothing good that comes out of, like, having skill coaches, and, like, yeah, because the game is more skilled. people, But, like, there was a level of of toughness and of, like, of, of like, fortitude that you had to build up like playing pickup at the park i'm of the generation i still remember man even in middle school like my generation was i literally would wear like boss jeans that were like eight times too big for me (laughs) with basketball shorts underneath them even me like little white kid sam because you never know when a game is going to break out and you need to be ready for it always uh and like i mean i remember waiting 
all day long in the summer to get on the court, and it's like you get on the court. You don't want to lose that game because you might you might not get back on the court for the rest of the day, and like getting like grown man setting a pick on you, and it just it did something for like the toughness I think that is like lacking today. Yeah, and, and that's that's that process that everyone wants to skip nowadays, which is that, right? I spent so many years at let's say at our local NYMCA when it gets cold around this time, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, usually at 7 o'clock is where the adults come in. And that's when it's like maybe some guys that played as college ball, whatever, kind of all just the OGs that just hooped and that nobody knew. Everyone only in Lynn knew, right? Yep. And at that point, if you was good enough, the Y will let you stay and play with those guys because the older guys are going to say, no, 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 he can stay. Yeah, keep the young fella here. good. He's he's, he's all right. He's good. But I spent many years having to leave before seven, right? Getting kicked out till you get that one opportunity where they might not have ten, and you might get in that one game. You you know this is your shot, right? Mm-hmm. And you you do your thing, and as long as they compete, ah, young fella, so they they guide you along the way, you know, and they and then you start kind of building that because you're going against grown men, so it's like you're not gonna outmuscle them, you're not gonna outsmart them at the time so you're just kind of like picking and choosing while they're guiding you and and that's that process that it's like uh you know there was not much entitlement back then because you it wasn't allowed you know what i'm saying so that you don't get it wasn't allowed for you to walk around entitled on that basketball court you had to earn every bit of that nowadays sometimes it could be because i got this or i got this highlight that highlight it can be you could have a sense of entitlement just walking through the door without getting anything done. So that's that's the difference. That's a I can kind of sum it up that way from then and then now. But at the end of the day, we still have to adjust to the time. Yeah. It, <laughs> right? It, 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 you know, Bob, well said. Well said. Bobby, I mean, I'm sure, you know, growing up in Atlantic City, when, when you were a kid, even in college, even after college, if you went back home in the summers, you could, you, you probably couldn't find an empty court in the summer. And Lynn, I remember in high school the few times I was up there what it looked like the court in Cambridge. Man, every court was packed down by the river. The Patrick Ewing courts, the Rinjaf court, everything. And like now, I drive around in the summer and I see so many empty basketball courts, and it hurts my heart, man. You know, like it's it's crazy. Well, they they've got NBA two K. They can play that, right? <laughs> <laughs> you can play two K. You don't want to go outside. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's too hot. It's too, too hot. hot. Yeah, it's too hot. But I remember speaking of it too hot, like some people that were instrumental in my, like early on once I hit high school, because I didn't make my seventh and eighth grade teams for basketball. Like, you know, and a lot of my guys that we used to play in the parks with, you know, you keep growing with the same kids and, you know, you don't make your team. That's a make or break time right there. You don't make it back to back years. It's like, all right, normally anyone else would be like, okay, I'm done. You know, but then me going to classical, you know, my freshman coach, James Kiebrew, uh, you know, may he rest in peace. Well, he he gave me a shot of making that freshman team, and I was excited as hell. Nowadays, people don't get excited for making freshman team, but I was excited. No, all kids like, want to make varsity, right? I, they want varsity, varsity right varsity. away, but me, I was excited. I was like, <laughs> yeah, all right, I, got, I finally made a team, and, you know, and I gave it my all that year. And then, you know, big, big shout-out to Marcos Echeverria, um, I don't, you probably heard from him around him mm-hmm. and Calvin. They won back-to-back state championships out there in classical, and he was an assistant at the time, and he spent a lot of time with me in that summer. You know, that summer going into my sophomore year, 
you know, he saw some talent in me and we just went out. It was every day in the summer, whether it was a hundred degrees out or not. And he used to get mad at me, like, damn, you ain't gonna you gonna I'm hoping I probably call out. And I was like, nah. <laughs> we we get in it and we we um you know, we worked a lot on my shot. We worked on a lot of stuff, you know, one dribble pull ups, two dribble pull ups that summer and that's just the grind that I am. You know, when I I set my mind out to go get something, I'm gonna I'm gonna work my ass off to go get it. When did you start thinking you know, I think maybe I could play in college. When, like, when was that, and then what did you have to do from there to get there? It happened so fast because it was after, I want to say it was probably after my senior year at Clintonland Classical. It was after that time where, you know, I had a good run in the state tournament. We ended up losing to Charlestown that year in overtime. But I had a good run that season as well as in the state tournament. I think after that is where the college opportunity kind of, you know, presented itself with um, different, you know, coaches coming by and, and, and seeing me at different runs. And then we had the Guinness All-Star game. I think I got the MVP in that. I just was – I had a good run as far as that spring and summer mm-hmm. where college coaches told me, like, you could play college ball. And I'm like, oh, I could. You just kind of like, okay. So, you know, what do I have to do? Right. Thing, you know? So once that's pretty much where – it happened late and it happened fast late. So, so what do you do from there? Because I, mean, I know you went to to a prep. Yep. You know, you were kind of I think of the generation where prep was becoming a thing. Like I was uh, class of '02. I had the opportunity to prep, and I didn't. I was like, no, I want to go right yeah. to, to playing in college. And like overnight, it's like prep became a thing. But how did you navigate that process? I mean, I was 17, so I was young. I missed my junior year with a with a with a knee injury in high school, so I feel like I I didn't even play a lot of high school ball. So, you know, in graduating, you know, coming to that that actually after I that spring or that summer, I did a couple of workouts, and I want to say it was Sacred Heart that offered me and you Albany at the time. And looking back at, it, I was like, what was I thinking? I should have just took it and ran with it, <laughs> right? Because but at the time, it's just the lack of knowledge on my end, the yeah. lack of me not understanding that maybe college college was an opportunity for me, you know. Looking back, and I was like, if you had an offer right there, you you probably Dude, you, you, should, were, you were seventeen. You should have seventeen. Took it. So, <laughs> you know, from there I went on to prep at the Gunnery in um, Connecticut, and you know, it 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 was a good year for me to finally first time being away from home, right? And adjusting to that, seeing if I'm able to kind of handle that. Uh, basketball went well, but it wasn't a school really for basketball like that. Um, and then I went out to the south side of Chicago <laughs> to Boys Cement Academy, and that was that was top notch ball. So who were the, who were the uh, the players out there in Chicago at that point? Man, it was a coach. My coach Lauren Jackson, man, he's the best of the best, man. He he coaches now at Victory Rock Prep down in um in in Florida, okay. and it was like night and day from here because it was all like ballers. It was, it was top one hundred kids, yeah. and it was, you know, at first we practiced at six a.m. So you walk into practice, there is like Bruce Pearl, Rick Pitino's, like Tom it's Green, at 6 and it was yeah. like that wake you and, up quick. And boy. now that I know, now I'm like I'm looking at it crazy because I'm like, there's no way a head coach would be at that at six in the morning, but they were head coaches, mm-hmm. the college level there. At the time, we had this guy Matt Coswell that was. 
top. We start right up there with Beasley because that was Beasley's yep. year. Um, so it was kind of like we matched up with them. We played against DeAndre Jordan a hundred times. He went to like Texas Christian Life out of Texas. We played them all the time. So it was like a, you know, going from Lynn Classical kind of that prep school into that was was um, instrumental to my game because now I had to go compete again. You had to go. It's a kid from Boston, right? And they they say Boston because they don't know. No one knows where Lynn's yeah. at. So right. you had to say, oh, from Boston and. Um, you kind of all you had was your game, so it was definitely a good time there. But then around that time, I had Xavier, and came back home. Yeah, I, I was gonna ask. You know, when you're a teenager, still, you have your son. Um, I think your dad passes away. Your mom battles breast cancer. Just like all this off the court stuff. Like, take me through that. How do you navigate that as a teenager? You know, I don't know, man. It's it's a lot of stuff. Just gets suppressed. Gets put away. To be honest with you. And then nowadays, when you look at the the just awareness around mental health, you know, there's so much trauma that a lot of kids like myself have been through till this day that I'm not still not recovered from, right? Um, and I think I just put it away and I just put it into my craft. I just would go to the gym, you know, I'd go to the gym, I'd hoop, I'll go and get some shots up by myself, or I'll go work out, whatever it may be. But it's, at the end of the yeah. day, you're not addressing that trauma. Right. <laughs> so yeah. it's something that definitely has affected me and me being older now and me seeing younger kids now dealing with stuff. You can see like, OK, it's not OK. You know, you know, I, I think that because there's such a, um, a an emphasis on the, the mental health now, when when we were kids, there were I mean, I, I don't know of any. Um, uh psychologists or, or treatment centers that were around for the kids. So you learn how to put things wherever they're going to be just so you can keep going. Yeah. You know, so I think in, in some ways, you know, it helps yeah. because, you know, you see that it's not easy, but I got to do something to survive. I have to do this. You just hope you don't go on that other side. Right. You see your boys going on the other side. You're like, oh, yeah. Nah, you know, so you got those positive role models in your right. life. Right. And I mean, this is an amazing story. I didn't know all this. Yeah, man. it's it's that's what I've Alvin's one of the the, the most amazing people I've encountered through sports yeah, events. For sure, I've been around for a long time, played at a high level in some different sports, and and then covered it. And so it really is. I want to talk a little more because I can't. So I had my son Jack as a thirty year old. You know, I'm in my thirties. Yeah, I'm thirty nine now. He's seven, and I struggled when he was born. Because I was still processing my trauma from losing both my parents, mm-hmm. um, I struggled to connect with him early on. Him and his mom and me, we separated when he was really, really little. I had to work through a lot of stuff, um, and he is like everything to me. He is my guy. He is my favorite. You know, um, you know him, my wife, and my son Avi are my like my favorite people. But me and Jack, it's a very special relationship because there was a lot of obstacles, and some of them were my own mental health and 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 stuff that I had to work through from my losses mm-hmm. and walls that I had put up because of the people I'd lost and I can't imagine doing that as a teenager like just t- how do you navigate being a teenage parent and 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 what was your relationship like with Xavier when when he was first born and and, and it's it's a lot of trial and error what else I mean what else at the time I mean I I didn't have 
I didn't have a father figure outside of my, you know, my dad passed at 16, but I didn't live with him, right? Right. My father figures were my grandfather. It was my my uncle, right? Combination of, of that. Um, and then just kind of figuring stuff out. And so you really don't have a, a, a guideline on how to do the things right, right? And and I'm not, I'm not sitting up here and saying I did everything right. You know? So and, what type of, you said this is your grandfather you were around? Yes, yes, my okay. grandparents, my grandparents. So your grandparents, man, tell me about your experience with your grandparents. Oh, my grandfather's old school, man. Old he, school, yeah. <laughs> my grandfather was <laughs> he you you couldn't he didn't play that, man. He right. he um he was real cuz he 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 migrated over and brought, you know, he were he's kind of the, he gets his hands dirty, worked. He mm-hmm. he's very strict. He's very strict in his way. Um and but he, he you understand all that now. At that time, it was like, why you, Why can't I go down the hill? Why can't I do this? Why can't I do that? And we knew if he catch you, he's going to grab, he's going to snatch you up and pop. It doesn't care who it was, but if he sees you down, you you were scared, right? So, but I didn't end up, you know, doing yeah. anything like that. And, and shout out to him now. He's, 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 I see it more now because, you know, I, my family jokes around here and there like, hey, you're like Grampy or whatever like that, yeah. you know, as far as the way I am with that. And honestly, I don't even take that as a, a Inside, I take it as a compliment uh, because a he's compliment. he's he's took care of his family. Mm-hmm. He took care of his family, right or wrong. He he did it. He did it his way, and I learned a lot from him. So you know, bringing it back to me being a parent at that age, it, I, I what are you gonna know, right? What are you gonna know at eighteen, nineteen? You know, as far as raising a your kid. You know, I just had a conversation with Xavier probably. Three weeks ago, when he turned seventeen, I said, "Imagine you having a kid like a two year." He's like, "You know what I'm saying? Like that's me." So that's why I may I'm glad I'm able to have these conversations with him and the rest of my program and my kids now, as far as what I have at English, and I let them know, like, look, you know, I didn't have somebody tell me, you know, not to do this or how to do this. You know, if you're in a jam, you know, whatever. I didn't have right. that, and that's why I'm here for a reason. You know, use me. I've I've been to a lot of yeah. shit, you know what I'm saying. So I was like, so use there, me. So. There are a lot of people that will say I've been through a lot of. Shit. Yeah. Alvin's been through a lot of. Yeah. Shit. He really yeah. has. I have, I have, and, and there's a reason behind it. I don't know why. Do I am I happy with the things? No, but Dude, it, they it, are what they it are. Made you. you know what I mean? It made, made you, It's what made man. me. Yeah. You know, and and you know, it's what helped me right now when it comes to raising my family. And you know, I got a fiance. I got two other kids now. Amari and Samia, so I got a daughter. She's she's my yeah, she's my sweetheart. Wow. Um, so I got two boys and a girls <laughs> now. So this time around, it's different, you know, because I, I learned from my mistakes when it comes to Xavier, right? And right. we as parents, like, you can't beat yourself up when it comes to stuff like that, because no matter how many people they can write a thousand books on, I'd be a parent. You, they they ain't no manual to it. No, <laughs> so it, 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 it's it's hard for me. I'm constantly my mindset. I'm constantly thinking about with Jack like things that if I could do it over, I would have done differently. You know, if I had you know yeah. was in different headspace or knowing them. But it's like I really try to consciously remind myself to focus on all the, the things that I did right because you know it wasn't the same. I won't lie. It wasn't as hard. It wasn't close to being a teenager. But by the time I had my my son, both my parents had had been killed, and and so it was still like I didn't really have any guidance on mm-hmm. on what to do, 
and it was a lot of trial and error like you like you said it was resonating with me and it's I try to like just remind myself of like the positives yeah. that like I did um I'm I'm curious and I you know because you you have a son you said you came back how did you wind up at UNH like what how did, how did that that happen it was an interesting group of guys that you wound up coming into UNH man. with man like you talk about a cast of characters up there you Dane Tyrone Conley Eric Gilchrist as oh a JUCO transfer God. was that year. Uh, Ronnie, like Chachua, like there was there was some guys that that from from different walks of life that wound up there. You believe we still <laughs> we still all talk to this day. Those are my guys. I was just talking to Kobe Santos two days ago when I was up by Brown. It's just I don't know how. Um, I know, you know, Gene Gene Bain. I remember I went on my visit. I think the next day he brought me the like letter and tell, like you could decide. Like yeah. I think G, he, I think Coach Bain lived in um, I think Revere somewhere, yeah. where it's like he brought those papers. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I was away. I was away in, in Chicago, you know, and, and coming back, and then the opportunity as far as how many scholarships they had at that time, and then just the opportunity to possibly come in and earn some minutes right away. I wasn't yeah. promised anything. I wasn't guaranteed anything. Um, but when I did go up there and I played pickup, which I don't know if they do nowadays, but I did play pickup on my official visit, you know, I, I saw myself to, like, have a chance. I'd have a chance to earn some minutes at the yeah. time. And, you know, and then that summer school, when we went up there, it was five. We were calling us, we were calling us the five, Fab Five. It was us, Sal Abdo, yeah. you know, Dane Delegro, Tyrone, and, and Ronnie. We were both. We were all up there together, and just kind of in ghost town in Durham, New Hampshire. Like, what what is going on? There's nothing to do here, and it's like, is this what it's like? <laughs> and then we're going through strength and addition, and we're going through our summer classes, and those are my brothers, man. Those are my guys. We can not talk for a month or a week or a year, and nothing changes. Yeah. We still reminisce, and as most college athletes, you still reminisce with so many of your teammates because. You went through a different grind with them for four or five years in college where mm-hmm. you know that that's who you're with all the time. And those those are my guys. Shout out to them. And they, they're all doing their thing, man. And they know they know where they stand with me, man. Those are my brothers. You know, the crazy thing, you didn't start the first game. Like You weren't a no. starter start right away. And I remember, like, the media when people were talking about, like, you were kind of like an afterthought. Like, people were talking about, like, who were going to be the impact freshmen on UNH. Like, they got all these minutes to go around. And then it was like, you came in, and I remember I went to a bunch of your guys' games that year. And I was like, early on, I was like, man, this kid. At the time, everyone was saying Abreu. They were saying your name wrong. Either way. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, it was like, man, this kid can. I remember saying to to Bill Herrian, like, who'd, you know, he'd been around for a long time, like, it, this kid looks like he could be something special, and and I just remember he was like, yeah, he's 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 pretty good. Like, when did you know, like, hey, like, like I can hang in this league and I can do some stuff here? I think that's the that's that's me. That's that's my that's my story when it comes to things. It's like you get overlooked, and you know, there's always that other guy that's over over there, and then you're kind of like seeing him there, and he's he's kind of kind of building, he's building, and then you have to you sizing him up. You size them like, up. Okay, I got it. You know, and that's probably that's what it was because I went in there. I wasn't any stars as far as recruit goes. I didn't give a about that anyway, right? But when I know when we stepping in between some lines in those lines, yeah. and it's just grinding, that work is gonna show. Is it's gonna show eventually, 
some people run out of patience before it actually turns their way. Most people do, right? Because you're legit. You're grinding. You're grinding with no results, but with the hope that it's gonna come. It's gonna. It's gonna get there. You know, and it's it's a hard grind. Like my, that's just my the, the cards I'm dealt. My grind is always gonna be a harder grind. And then when you look back at it, you're like, wow, okay, the the, the work was there. You know what I mean? The results were there. So I'm interested to know um, what are the conversations that you have with your son? Does he have the same type of patience you have, Xavier? Xavier yeah, Xavier. Right? Okay. Yeah. He um, our conversations. We're talking about you, young fella. He has <laughs> a. Shout out to Zay, man. That's my that's my guy. He um he he has that work ethic, and that's what I'm proud of because he Does I can, he, have the he patience? just no. Nah. <laughs> I would say no in the sense. Of, well, he's in he's in the era he's in the era of where he's dealing with more of a social pressure mm-hmm. when it comes yeah. to that. So you're mm-hmm. not allowed. You're, you're really not allowed public. to be patient nowadays, right? And it's not because it's his fault on yeah. it, right? But this past, I'm so proud of him. This past summer, we, I told him, I'm like, look, if you want to get to the next level, you gotta, you gotta do, kind of things that you have to do more. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have to do more. It's just what you, you are your son's, you're yeah. my son. So you're gonna have to do more, in the sense that he's not, like people will overlook him. Yeah. And then, this summer we got up at 5 a.m. We got we got working. We walked working and we pushed and we pushed some some mornings he got left till till he he gets up now at school early before classes. He's doing that. I love it. So some mornings it. he got left, huh? What was that? Some mornings he got left. Yes, he got left. Of That's course. beautiful, man. I, yeah, I love that. Of course he got left because I told him, thing. you know. Bus is leaving, right? It's one it's one <laughs> of those things where like do you really want it or no? And if you don't want it, it's fine. It's right. not that right. I never pushed that on him. I, I love dude, that makes me think of I've talked on here and my dad was was far from a perfect human being, but he was he was the biggest influence in my life, the most important person to me. I lost him when I was a teenager. It's one of those things that I never got over. But you know, that was one of the things that if my sons are into sports and Jack's seven and sports aren't his thing right now and he's got it in his DNA. He bo- Both of his grandparents were professional athletes. You know, I was an athlete. His mom was an athlete. Great grandparent, great grandfather, sorry, both of his grandfathers were professional athletes. He has two great grandfathers that were professional athletes. He's an athletic kid. He's just, he's not into it right yeah. now. But like, if him or if Avi, who seems much more into sports and balls and stuff, like, if that's their thing, great. But, like, I'm not going to push it on them. And what I took away from my dad, you know, my dad played at a very high level. He played out at UMass. Amherst played basketball. He was, like, a foot taller than me. I was. It didn't have his height. And he was very real with me of, if you want to do this, I'm in it with you. I'm right. in it to the end with you if you want to put in the work. But I'm not going to do it for you right. and he was like look you are never going to be my size you're never going to be six seven you are a little guy and like you are going to have to work harder than everybody else yeah. if you want to do something with it and and I just I love hearing that I coached for a while I was never a coach of your esteem or Bobby's esteem but like I saw so many parents burn out really talented great kids that were that were really talented because the parents wanted it more than the kid did. And it's like, you got to tell them, hey, if you want this, this is how hard you got to work and be real. Like, you're not working hard enough, mm-hmm. but, like, you can't do it for them. So it's really nice to hear, like, yeah. 
this reminds me so much of 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 why I loved sports as a kid because my dad like showed me how to work hard, told me how to work hard, but he didn't force me to do it. It right. was it was like it's on you at some point. Right. Exactly. I mean, you see it all the time right now with parents. Just, I mean, I, I see it a lot where it's like they want it more than the, the kid. There's some of my players now. I'm like, you know, I can't want it more than you. You know, it's it's yeah. a it's a partnership. You know, I'm gonna meet you. I'm I, I'm cool with doing, you know, sixty forty, but it, it can't be, yeah. You know, ninety. 95 five or right. 90, like no that's not, it's never going to work because i'm going to burn out or you're going to burn out where you're not getting results because you think you're putting the work and that you're not so what is i'm interested to know your um your interaction with the parents are are you one of the coaches say you can come talk to me or one of the coaches say look if, if we got something to say let's let's keep it short and let me coach are they do you get more dads do you get more moms because i mean it's I would say that's probably one of the the turnoffs in coaching right now is I would say parents. Um, the problem is is that there's more parents that you know hard coaching is is you know holding your kid accountable is big in my program. It's big mm-hmm. who I am. I hold my own kids accountable. So you ask the parents to hold their kids accountable, or you? No, you know the thing is here nowadays with parents is when you're holding their kid uh, accountable to something. And it could be extreme. It mm. could be whatever it is. But it, it sometimes it's only extreme because they haven't been held accountable before. Right. Right. So when it's a behavior that I'm trying to change through my program, at the end of the day, you have a choice to be in the program or not. Right. And some parents can, you know, challenge you and maybe wavering in how your standards are. And the minute you do that, you're going to lose your whole program. Mm-hmm. So that's I would say that's the biggest per- turnoff. But I've had a lot of positive, you know, parents, you know, who thank me because um, you're taking on their child. Like, I'm doing the discipline for you. You know, I'm making sure they have good grades. Like we have a, you know, a no D, no F policy. So if if you're if you have two Ds or if you have an F, you're not playing. That's just what it is. It doesn't matter what game it is. We have study all twice a week. And that's just the standard now. Like, our guys know that, mm-hmm. you know, because why? We're setting a standard in the classroom, and then also we're holding you accountable to that standard. Because the minute, okay, because we have a big game tomorrow, then it changes now. That you're going to lose your program doing that. So, you know, parents, I would think it's across the board with all, you know, youth sports and stuff going on because it's actually a good thing because more parents are involved now in their kids when it, com- with their yeah. kids when it comes to sports. So. Right. It turned into kind of a bad thing because you need there's, there's, there's boundaries. It's a new thing, so it's like there's boundaries that they cross, probably not knowingly. Some do know, but mm-hmm. you know it's a new boundary there where you don't know where that line is, and then that's where it kind of gets kind of the gray area. But do you but, find yourself having to talk to the parents and say, "Look, can you back off for a second? Let me let me coach him." I have, I have, you know, because the results the results show there. You know, mm-hmm. and it's not always, you know, I usually have a parent meeting before the season. You know, the biggest thing is we're not going to talk to parents about playing time. At the end right. of the day, if, if you want to come to practice Monday through Friday and be there for every single minute of their practice, then we can probably yeah. have a conversation yeah. about playing time <laughs> then, right? But, you know, if you're just showing up on a Tuesday and a Thursday, when we, we play on Tuesday and Thursdays, just at the game and telling me, well, so-and-so, but when we know – you're going to play how you practice, and there's things that lead up to that that yeah. come out in the game. Yeah. So we always, as coaches, are able to tell 
how a kid's going to come on perform probably two or three days before that even game happens, right? We're trying to avoid it, mm-hmm. but we know what behavior has been trending in that way. So uh, to answer your question, yeah, but, you know, you had it. I mean, I'm only in my – I'm going into my third year as a head coach. I've been coaching. I was coaching four years before that as an assistant. So before Antonio, shout out to Antonio. He's yep. He had to deal with the parents then as an assistant. I didn't. Um, so I, I got three years of that, so I'll probably have more – Ask me that in a couple more years and maybe I have more answers for you. <laughs> so do you feel like the fact that you're a product of Lynn has helped you in the community and given you some, some I don't want to say street cred, but like you, so like that, that people, because, you know, I, the, as best as I can, I pay attention to basketball circles and all that sort of stuff. And like, just, but you talk about beloved high school coaches. I feel like you're beloved up there already and you're only in year three of coaching. Do you feel like your background in the city, um, has helped in in coaching up there? I think it helps in the sense that I I grew up there, so there's a lot of, you know, things that I I can understand when it comes to my players or the area or, you know, the schools or what what the kid's going through. Um, So I think from that perspective, I'm able to kind of relate there. And then also, you know, having the basketball background helps, right? I've I've been where some of these kids are striving to go and play, Mm -hmm. right? And, you know, I've done academically and athletically, right? So I think, and socially, I know, you know, Lynn's a small town, so everyone kind of knows each other. So socially, I know more or less everyone, you know, or a mutual friend of. So it's kind of makes it on that end. Um, It's not always good on that end because then some people don't know how to separate the two, like, you know, as far as that goes. But I think it, it has helped that. And then, you know, me stepping in as an assistant, in the program before, you, grew up you know, I grew up in the yeah. program as well as a coach. You know, it was my first coaching gig in 2016. Okay. You know, in those four years, we, we ended up winning back-to-back state championships. Nice. You know, so that that molded me and taught me a lot. You know, I, I thought we had the best staff in, in, in the state of Massachusetts because it just was a collective guys of different college basketball backgrounds. Yeah, y'all had a lot you know, of experience. Yeah, man. you know, Jeez. leading with Antonio, you know. So that was – um that was a big learning experience for me. And that I, I always told like, Coach Bain may or may not remember Coach Moore and Coach Harry. And I always said I wasn't coaching. I said I would never coach. You know, and I, I still to this uh-huh. day I tell I tell Xavier that to him. Like I, I always said I never wanted to coach, you know, because it just was a I think it was part of the college basketball grind yeah. where you saw you see the assistants mm-hmm. driving and recruiting in July and, yeah, and you know, you try to get this kid, you watch the visits and just the grind of film walk through scouts and it's like when do you even go see your family <laughs> it's like family yeah. who i couldn't i i was talking <laughs> i text with uh i was texting with john yadi the other day who i don't remember john, he's, Ramon, he's from Vermont, right uh, albany albany albany, but, uh, albany, albany, albany yes, and uh yes, and he's sorry. coaching he's coaching at umass lowell now yeah i was just like dude how much long are you gonna do this like and it's gonna kill your soul like i was kind of <laughs> joking but kind of not like the college basketball assistant grind oh, is it's, I, I couldn't i, I couldn't i couldn't i think well, that the high school grind was 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 um kind of that area that i was like, okay i, I can yeah. can do it well um now that you've had some time because it's been a decade since you were at unh you know i still remember that time really well of uh, your time there but like how do you look back on that time now that I know that there was a lot of promise, there was a lot of heartbreak, there was a lot of really close, mm-hmm. God, your sophomore year, man. 
Ronnie to chew on that inbounds pass. Oh my god! Me and god. Dane were talking about that. I'm sorry, god. Ronnie. I hate to bring it up, but geez, um, I did not want that Binghamton. T- you guys were 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 an inbounds pass away yeah. from hosting the championship game. Yeah. How do you look back on call on your time in college now? Well, Tyrese Gibbs and let me forget about. It. I think I heard my <laughs> tweak my my MCL. Then I didn't yeah. play. Yeah. And he he blames that whole thing on me. <laughs> To this day, it's like, it's your fault that we didn't get to. I'm like, okay, because I chose to, you know, spray my MCL. I think I was going to play the next game. If that yep. was, if we won that game, I was playing the next game. So I still, I was in practices yep. then. Um, but I always tell people that, that was the best time, man. I know as far as we had so much promise, as far as at the end of the day, you know, it comes down to memories and experiences that yeah. you have, right? positive or negative whatever it may be but their memories that to today that we we obviously we're mad about yeah. that and all that but it, there's things that you went through like that emotion of that right that you just can't put a price tag on you know what i mean did you we want to win more games of course do we have the players at the time i think to win more games yes i think we did a lot of things you know that senior, my senior when I tore my ACL, I think yep. those when the pieces were together. I tore that my ACL the, team, the second game. That was the team that I think that we thought we knew we 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 were rolling, we were in sync. We've already taken our lumps early on, and everything was geared for that senior year and that second game of the year. I tear my ACL. You know what I mean? And Tyrone has a hell of a year, and Dane has a hell of a year that year. You know what I mean? But looking back at UNH, it was a great time for me. You know, I had a great career there, and. You know some awesome coaches over there, and it was it was a good time. And honestly, I think my freshman to sophomore year, and I think it was when I first kind of started like hearing your name. And I, we used to be like, man, like forget him. He's always saying that we're not gonna this that and the third. <laughs> but it, looking back at it, it's like, you know, we always lose these close games. We always lost by like in a possession or two, and it's like UNH never got the respect. We didn't, right. we didn't deserve, we didn't earn it. But still, you know, as a college athlete, yeah. like no, you want, you're it. just looking for the next yeah, bulletin board right. material. It's like oh, yeah, Sam exactly. Perkins, yo, we're gonna win, we're gonna go beat <laughs> Albany, because we every we never beat BU. Yeah. We always felt like BU was like you always had BU over us. And it was he like, did, uh, he did. Yeah, yeah. He was like, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? So I was like, it was like Sam always saying BU. He was probably putting out the spreads for, for them. So I'm yeah. like, at the time, we like, you know, but looking back at it, you know, you you invest, you knew the America East, like you knew everything as far as when it came down to. So you did your research, and I respected your work. Obviously, later on, right when you yeah, know, yeah, when yeah. you more know stuff, but you know, and, and it was like so I remember. I think I was having it because by January yeah. I was starting yep. my freshman yep. year and I was kind of like picking up and then people are telling me, but seniors like, I think you're going to make the rookie team. And then it was like, I think you, you're on talks of rookie of the year. And then, then John Holland then the season like goes crazy. Like he's 35. <laughs> I'm like, he, well, he definitely deserved that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm like, he definitely deserved dude, that. that. Was the, John Holland was one of the players that came the most out of nowhere. He wasn't oh even really talked God. about that summer. Yeah, and then it was, he, he was not that those BU teams were nasty with Corey Lowe. And I saw Corey Lowe, I want to say like two months ago at yeah. the rivals practice, man. I'm like, you just think you just go yeah. back to that. It's mm-hmm. like you immediately, it's like you said a decade ago. It's, it's crazy. But yeah, John Holler was all them. Them guys were ballers, man. Yeah, ballers. Um, one quick question: Was it your freshman year? Didn't Snoop Dogg come to a practice of yours or oh, something? Oh yeah, Snoop. <laughs> Snoop was there. Spring. He was there. <laughs> it was it spring. It was no. I don't know. Either way, he was there. 
Um, was he performing or something up there? <laughs> yeah, he performed up there. So yeah. he came. To, yeah, wow. he came. He came into the gym, and you know, thank God the NCAA didn't drug test after that because the whole gym smelled like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard he lit up in the White House. So I'm like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> but no, he was he was down to earth. He yeah. was cool. He was yeah, cool. He actually imagine. played. We played pickup. Yeah, we he played, played pickup. Yeah, him I remember, and a couple I remember guys, seeing pictures of that. Couple guys in his entourage played, and okay. then he had us. You know, he performed that night at UNH, and he had us, you know, backstage, some really good chicken, <laughs> some really good fried chicken. Yeah, man. yeah, good spread back there, right? Yeah, good spread yeah, back there. Sure. So, but it was it was all love with him, man. It was a good experience when he came up there. I got to ask. Was he tall? He wore one of the jerseys. I don't know. It wasn't one of our jerseys. But he yeah. wore jersey, one of our jerseys to perform. Was he tall? He was. He was taller than I expected. Really? He, he, at the time, he looked like he was 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, yeah, at okay. the time. Something okay. Like that. So he looked taller yeah. than I expected. I got to ask you, man, first impressions of Dane DeLegro, when you talk about out there people, and he's now in, like, were you <laughs> expecting Hollywood? Like, like just, just Honestly, what? if there was anyone that was going to be in Hollywood, it was Dane. I said that to him. <laughs> it was Dane. I'm not, I'm not even surprised. I think I probably texted that to him. I'm like, look, if there was anyone that was going to do that, it was you. Right. It was him. It's, it's just Dane has that personality. Yep. Yes, he you does. know he has that good personality where we used to tell Dane all the time, "You don't give a about basketball, man," <laughs> because he just was—he's uh, always in—he's in every everything. Yeah. He was in so much, and I'm like, "How do you even have time, Dane? Like, how do you even have time to be in that with the college basketball grind?" But he just found him. He's just wired to just go, "Okay, squirrel, like, over here. Let me go over and see what's going on over here. Let's go over here." I'm like, "Dane, come on, we're here. Stay with wow. me." He's my roommate, my freshman year, so I, you know. <laughs> Dane, Dane's hilarious, man. You know, he's it's awesome what he's doing. I think I had him come down and talk to our guys, I want to say two years ago when he was filming yeah. the, the Predator at that time. And, you know, in the group chat, we're still trying to coordinate. His his schedule's busy. Yeah. My, mine's busy. We're still trying to coordinate a, 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 just a kind of guys getting together. Mm -hmm. we, we, we got him in here. It was like a midnight recording because of what his schedule was. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> It'll just pop up on you, too. <laughs> um. What do you miss the most about college? About college, your time there. Uh, my teammates, my, the camaraderie of it, hands down. It's that brotherhood that, you know, you do everything together. You you know, it's that it's that. You see your, you see your brother is like at its at his lowest, at his highest. You know, and you're just you're just going through that same grind together. You know, it's probably similar to what. Guys in the military experience, when they're together, right. when they go, you know, just that camaraderie that you have with your brothers, you know, the highs, the lows, the laughs, like Eric Gilchrist, we, I probably haven't seen him in plus, 10 plus years. It, yeah. We're on Instagram, just, you remember this time, you remember that time, and just talking so many different stories, and just, I legit laugh at it today, like, I, it just happened. Yeah. Because it's just so funny. Like, we have so many memories you know, with your teammates, and that's what I want when I push to, you know, Xavier and I push to my guys here at English and any guys in Lynn. It doesn't even have to be in my program. Is mm -hmm. that, and we always said it as coaches before, and when I was an assistant as well, we just want you guys to experience that because no matter what the level is, that had no level on it. All I was, all I said is my teammates in yeah. college, right? Yeah. Because you did everything. You went to the dining hall together. You figured stuff out together. You got yelled at by coach together. together you, that's right. you had to run that five a.m. together. Yeah. You know what I mean? You lost together. You won together, and it's just like 
it's stuff that you that will stick for you forever. You it, know, it, it it's never the same again, and and that's I'm not saying like adulthood is it has I'm, I love being a parent, I love my wife, I love, but you don't have that same experience once it's over. It's over, and even if you go into the pros, it's not the same once you're in the pros, like no. high school, college, whatever it is that you're like when you're all kids, you're all the same together. Like you never duplicate that. The number of days that I will eat lunch by myself because it's like in, like in the working world and like yeah. that ne- like in college, like you always had someone that that had your backs. It's just never the same after that. Exactly, exactly. Um, what? So you're coaching at a, at a public. Um, we've talked, uh, Bobby and I have talked. We talked with Gene Bain about this a lot. How much the landscape has changed in Massachusetts, especially. And like a lot, most public schools, if they have a kid who is too good too early, that Got kid it. is going to leave for a prep school. What What are the challenges of coaching at a public school? I, I go back to what I said. You have to adjust to it. That's the times right now. It's like the the transfer portal in college. That's at high. That's at the high school level now. Meaning that they they you saw it early on in AAUs, right? Where kids would jump that. Now, if the kid is good. You know, you lucky if you have him for one or two years. Mm-hmm. Lucky if you have him two, you're, he's he's out of here after the first. So it's a challenge, and I've talked to other high coach head coaches around. Is that it's like you investing in a kid to like get better and trying to get them better just for you know for them to go right. I'm gonna always want the best for a kid. At the end of the day, if it's a better opportunity, you know, for you to go, you know, I'm all for you getting a better opportunity, but. You know, it's one of those new things happening right now, so they're not always done the right way, um, which I don't know what the right way is, but it's just the nature of it right now because public school, honestly, is is, is the t- is down because all the kids are going to prep. Well, you, you know, know I, I think there's a lot of complexity in that because you've got the kid who, in all honesty, if he goes to a higher-level school where all the coaches are going, then he's going to get looked at a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, the talent level that he's playing against is going to be better. But if he's coming out of a city, you know, like Lynn or Charles Char- Charlestown or mm-hmm. any place else, then all, now all of a sudden you got the coach there wondering, well, why am I putting in all this work with the kid if he's going to leave anyway? He's leave anyway. Which, you know, calls into question, you know, the, the the intentions of the coach because it's supposed to be about the kid. Yeah. But now you've got, you know, you got NIL and, and everything else and the kids worry about getting the bag. Yeah. Right. So, you know, now you got a little mercenary on you. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's tough. tough. It, it's 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 tough, Bob, because it's one thing was when you're in my program, I'm not going to, you know, look at you any different. I'm not going to worry about if you're going to leave me next year or not. I'm going to give you everything I have, mm-hmm. every resource I have, even after. Like, you know, one of my top guys, you know, Warren Kale Jr. last year was RMVP in What's the league. Name? Warren Kale Jr. K.O.? Warren Keel. Keel, okay. Junior. Yeah, he's, you know, he's MVP in the league. Mm. Top point guard in the state last year for us. Um, leading scorer. You know, he's 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 at, he left he left me. He's, he's at Bradford Christian now. And I'm happy for him. I'm happy for him because he, you know, we were able to, you know, help him with different things and, you know, right. expand his game the best we could, you know. And, and if that's the decision he makes, I don't hold nothing against you. You know what I mean, and and sometimes a kid may think that that's the case, but it's not. It's not. 
because at the end of the day, we're in this. Uh, I'm at the public school level. It's not like you know, yeah. put, you know, it's not like an MBA level. But I do care about it, right? I do care mm-hmm. about your future. I do. My main thing is I like to instill the character traits that are going to help you push you forward after me. You know that that instilling responsibility, being on time, right? Mm-hmm. Accountability. You know, making sure that you're a good teammate. Communication, leadership, things that are going to help you if you take the basketball out and substitute a job, you know what I mean? Right. Or whatever it may be, a career, or it could be in, in college where you know you got to take care of that yourself. Stuff like that and being self-disciplined, those are things that are important to me for you to move forward. And obviously, I'm a competitor, so you're going to want to win games, obviously. Mm-hmm. But it's it's tough times right now. You're going to lose a kid. Yeah. You're going to lose a kid yeah. after you know a year or two in, to go prep. Now, you've always been a competitor and, and going all the way back to your, your freshman year, you know, Bill Harry and back when he liked me, then he didn't like me after a while. But uh, he d- he said from day one that nobody worked harder than you. And, and y'all losing all the time. He said nobody worked harder than you. Nobody. And I know how much you love the game. We, we've talked about it for years. You had the opportunity to play after college. How, wh- how did you make the decision that it was time to move on from being – an athlete from being a you know that being your the epicenter of your universe from playing the game of basketball as your priority when did you decide to move on to the next phase it's crazy because it's something you've been doing for so long it's like you have to bury someone within you that you know that doesn't want to die it's just what it is you know what i mean and you go through that weird transition phase kind of like when you graduate college you know I don't know if you guys felt this. When you graduate college, it's like kind of the what now, and it's the real world, and you go home and everyone's doing this regular stuff, and you're like, uh, what's what's going on? Like you're kind of trying to figure your next move out yeah. if you haven't figured it out already. Yeah. Right. It's kind of it was kind of that transition for me, um, but it, it had it had to be made. Um, the the professional world of basketball is I saw it economy wise. Right, whereas lower paying jobs in different countries and stuff like that. I saw the writing on the wall early. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the instability of it. I was seeking more stability at the time and consistency that the decision was easy from that perspective. Now I knew I had to make that decision at that time, which was I think in twenty sixteen, and it's like but still the basketball <laughs> the basketball you know, life in me was like, no, no, no. But it was like, you need more stability. You need, you know, to kind of be more consistent. And that's that's what I got to a point where that meant more to me yeah. then. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And it was needed. And Xavier was getting old at that yeah. time. And I'm like, look, I just, I just, I don't want to keep, you know, the, 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 you know, going and coming back and stuff like that. So. It was about 10 or 11 at the time? I can't even remember, Bobby, <laughs> man. I can't. You just know you had to be back home. I had to be back home. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do, do you still hoop at all in leagues or recreationally or anything? I do. I hoop uh, once a week. We have a Sunday service crew that we wake up at. We work. We play at 8.30 a.m. on a Sunday. Um, but I just actually got back into my boss. I used to play in Boston leagues like, Three years ago, I used to play like like in all leagues yep. in Boston. Where you on Vine Street? Where, where you? I used to play in the Vine Street. Yeah. I used to play in the Vine Street a lot. I think I stopped that three years ago when I had my daughter, and then I got back into it. So now there's a 34 and over league over there, and um at the Tobin. At the Tobin, yep. And it's yep. all like ex, you know, pros, basketball yeah, guys, like college man, basketball. It's it's, it's not just your average Wiley. Yeah. that's yeah. that's a competitive. It's NBA team. There's a draft. Is 
I think we're on, wow. you know, I think we're, I think we're two and two, I think <laughs> now, but it's, it's, uh, it's, I still play. That's awesome. I still play. And sometimes I get up and down with my guys. Yeah. You know, I get up and down with my guys. We play pickup. You know, I think that's important too, to bring the competitive juices there as well. Did you, you ever make an appearance at the UNH alumni game? I did initially, initially like years ago, yeah. years ago. Um, but I haven't as of late. Was my my guy Austin Ganley playing? In oh man, then? he got bounce. <laughs> I know. He still oh my does. God. He still does. <laughs> I remember that 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 um that pickup game. He he still still was dunking. I'm like, dude, like I can't even do that right. <laughs> I, I will never forget, man. I will never for Austin. Bounce. As far as anyone that was like above, say five ten. Like, because, you know, little guys have just, in, the, yeah. the little guys that have the great, but, like, he had the most in-game bounce out of anyone yeah. I've seen at that level. Wow. He dunked on a guy from Vermont so badly in one game. He took off from outside, from, like. Man, was, you take that away from my guy, Ty Conley, I, I know, I, I know like, those guys can I'm jump. I'm biased. I got I know, I gotta I know they go could my jump. guys. Like, those guys uh, could jump off the building. I know they could jump, but Austin was, when he took off from one foot, it was a different level. Yeah. And he dunked on this dude so badly, and he it was like he stepped over him, and he adjusted his sports goggles when he stepped over the guy. It was wow. the most disrespectful thing I've ever <laughs> seen <laughs> on the court up there. Yeah. It was the New Hampshire version it, of AI. It was. It was. It was. It was the step over, but it was this goofy looking white guy, and as he stepped over him, he adjusted his goggles, and it was just like. That's it was the most it. disrespectful thing I've ever seen on the court up there. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know we had the, the, the New Hampshire version yeah. of AI. Tyrell Lewis. I didn't know that. <laughs> so, so, do you keep in touch with any of your college coaches? Yes, um, I spoke to. I I talked to Coach Bain pretty often. I haven't talked to Coach Harry since um, they left yeah. UNH. I've talked to Ryan. Yep, Ryan. Talked to Ryan. Mm. Um, coach Moore when I go up there and yep. Coach Demps like online and stuff like yeah. that. I think when you you call this coach like the, the, those guys, man, it did so much for you when you're yeah. when you're in college, man. Yeah. I appreciate them so much on that. You know, outside of your your family, like they they make sure you're straight when you're on on a college campus. So I, I know um, uh, Ryan is at Ulo, mm -hmm. and I think Moore is at Merrimack now. Yes. I think so. Yep. Like they're they're still pretty local. Yeah. Um, I uh, it it feels weird to me that Bill Herrian's not coaching college basketball this year. Like he's been around like literally my I think certainly since I can my earliest basketball memories back when he was at Drexel in the '90s and I was a little kid. Like I can't believe he's not coaching somewhere. That's I said crazy. that to Rye. I talked to Rye the other day, the two weeks ago. It's it's weird because we're when you're talking to like Ryan about Xavier, it's like yeah. weird. It's not weird, but it's weird. Yeah. It's like, you're talking to me as a, like looking at him for college type of thing. It's like yeah. we're really talking about my son, like because he's seen him in diapers, <laughs> yep. right? So it's like now he's asking. He went to see Xavier play pickup at Phillips yeah. Academy, Andover. That's where he's at. So he went to go see him. He's, he's over at Andover. Yeah, he's over What's at it? Andover. So he's um, he's like Xavier, you know, looked really good tonight. You know, kind of like he's, what's his size? He's like he's a, he's a scholarship guy. What yeah. position is he? Xavier, more but he's a two. He's a two. He's a two. Um, he's about six three. Got your bounce? Right now. 
I had no bounce, Bobby. Come on, man. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I tell you, I had two knee surgeries, three days. I, I can't get over that. My everything for me is off of two feet or outside that three point line. That's it. You said outside that three. <laughs> I, I'll I'll tell you the one thing when we talk about game though. I I was gonna bring this up earlier. One of the things I remember from your freshman year that I noticed right away, and I did say this to Coach Harrion. Uh, so. We, by that point, we were living in the three-point era. We're even more in the three-point era now. Mm-hmm. And you could shoot it. And, and you know, guards like to finish in transition off the break, do something. But in the half-court set, man, you got to the rack. Yeah. And you would go through people. Yeah. You would go around people. And it's something that a lot of guards do not do. No. And, like, do you, tell me about that that mindset. And is that something that you've worked with Xavier on? Is like go to the hoop at times. Yeah. I feel like nobody does it anymore. Yeah, you know, he's, Xavier, he's he's added, he has a mid-range game. He can shoot the three ball, mm-hmm. um, but he can get to the hole now. Now that he's, you know, we started lifting over the summer and stuff like that. So now he gets physical, so he's able to get to the hoop now. And then now he has bounce. So now he's really, he's dunking, he's attacking the rim, which is big and has expanded his game big time and his confidence. So it's something I said, like, when you get to the foul line, there's two things. You're putting... You're getting closer to the bonus. And now you're able to score at the line. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's it's the breaking down scoring. If you notice, the people that can score and that put them up, they get to the foul line. Down the line, yeah. They got 12 they get foul, to the foul line. You know yeah. what I mean? Because that's the art of scoring when it comes mm-hmm. to that. A lot of It's a hard game if you're scoring all your points off of field goals and threes. It's a hard game. Now you're breaking it down at the foul line. So being aggressive, I know my freshman year I got to the line a lot. Got to the line a lot, but that was a big thing. Um, just kind of putting pressure on defense is not not settling. Yeah. You know what I mean? And jump everything up. My time was too off of two feet. You know, because if you're not going to dunk it, you have two <laughs> feet, shot fake, or you know what I mean? Stuff like that. I think that was important. It's like Rod Strickland. <laughs> <laughs> Do you still talk to Tyrese? <coughs> Gibbs? Yeah, Gibbs. Yeah, well, I, I text him um, over the summer. I've been trying to get him on here, and then he just ghosted. Tyrese, Tyrese is Tyrese. That's Tyrese, though. Tyrese, yeah. he was always the kid, the guy, and I, because he was, you know, I think when I was a sophomore, he was a senior. Yep. And I was captain, you know, Captain Reese or whatever. And I'm like, if you text him today, he's gonna text you like two days later. I'm like, Reese, like, how does that work? So I, that's that's him on my end. But now, I mean, I've checked in on him. Is I know he, he was coaching last year. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if he's still there. I don't know. What he's he, not there. I didn't no, think so. no, he's not. Yeah. You know, be, uh, before you got to UNH, Tyrese could jump. Like his freshman year, he had some in-game. He dunk, did. Like he yeah. dunked on guys. Like yeah. He, I don't know what happened, but he, he used to tell me, and then we in our locker room we'd, we'd argue about it. And I'd say no because Tyrese was the biggest guy. He was a big motivator yeah. in his own way, and he, the way he motivated was just talking to you. Like you suck. It's like okay, <laughs> and you go out there, and you don't play. But at the end of the day, that was his tactic to get his guys going. Yeah. Because he needed to know kind of who's going to be with him. You know, in the mud when it came to, to you know in game time. So what what do you see for yourself? Like, what's your goals now? I know when your younger goal is like college basketball or NBA or you know all those sort of things. But like, you're on the other side of it. You work a regular job. I know that coaching is a is a passion thing. Nobody nobody that's coaching for the right reasons, and you're coaching for the right reasons. Who's coaching public school ball is doing it for anything other than passion <laughs> right. and caring about kids. Like if you're doing it for the right reasons, like what are you, what, what are your life goals now? I mean, my life goals is, is, as far as, you know, I always want to take care of my family. You know, that, that's the number one goal, um, for me, 
you know, my three kids and my fiance. That that's that that's my number one goal has always been there. Like that that's a goal to take care of my family that way. But as far as my goal, as far as let's say coaching wise, is to impact impact as many kids as I can positively. Which meaning that when they look back, you know, during their time, you know, with me, one way or the other, you know, that they they learn something that's gonna help them carry them through life. Through life in some way or the other. Something that held them like, yo, like Coach Al was annoying with that, but mm-hmm. man, like I'm looking at me doing it today or me preaching it to my kid today. You know what I mean? Coach Al always said be on time. Coach Al always said just work hard or you know, and stuff like that. You know, you might not appreciate it now. We all were there as young athletes, right? Or he was getting mad with this. So I just want to impact the best I can, doing the best I can. You know, and let the results fall wherever they fall. You know what I mean? And and the minute that I can't give it my all, then you let it you let it go. You let you it know? go, yeah. You let it go. Yeah. So I just I'm fine with I can't put a finger on what exact goal that is. Um but it's it's for right now it's just impacting the best I can through my through the, the basketball program I'm at now with the kids that we have. I'm not sure if there could be any other goal. I mean that that seriously sounds like a growth goal. Yeah, you know you're 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 significant in these kids' lives, and I, mean, I don't know how much more important you could get than that. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it 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 doesn't sound like at all. It's about winning games. I mean, that's important, but you're you, everything I hear is you saying that you want them to learn in life. Yeah, and that's tough, man, because they they <laughs> they are in a rough world right now. They're in a rough world, and more you know, we 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 come from a city with five high schools, so. The background of Lynn is is very 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 competitive. Mm. It's very competitive, um, where sometimes it can be almost toxic, right? And at the end of the day, you know, let's say I was five basketball coaches in Lynn, which have some really good coaches and good role models right now. At the end of the day, if we all are putting our part with our programs and our kids the best that we can then Lynn should have a better product when it comes to the youth right. in the future. It should. Is that the case? I'm not saying I'm doing anything perfect. I'm just saying that that should be the goal when it comes to impacting a community that's it's hindered by a lot of violence. It's hindered by a lot of, you know, you know, teen pregnancies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, and, it's, and there's a lot of people doing good things in Lynn. A lot of people doing good things in Lynn, but there's just a lot of violence right now um, and Lynn, you know, over the summer was a lot of violence, a lot of young kids dying, you know, kids that are in their twenties, early twenties and stuff like that. And it's like some things that you just like, what that shouldn't, that's not life. And what I try to do with a lot of the, you know, aside from my family, is I'm trying to, with the kids in the program is, is broaden their image of what life can be. Yeah, White, sure this is not life. You know, Lynn, we always say Lynn doesn't have walls. Get out of Lynn. Lynn's gonna, you're gonna come back, you can come back, you know, and it's gonna be doing the same thing, but to broaden your experiences, right? And that's why we push, you know, go to college. I know it's not for everyone, but still, you know, if you go to college just to get an experience and yeah. learn and just get out of Lynn, and then, you know, you can always come back at some point, but just get out. And that's, I wanna make sure that when you do get out, that you're gonna be fine when you do get out because you have those, the fundamental values you need mm-hmm. for you to be successful. Well, Alvin, I, I really appreciate you joining us, man. It is always always blown away by you as a person. Uh, you know, I, I I wish that I had played for a coach like you. Bobby, I think that every time we talk about here, I honestly, um, 
I never really felt like I had a coach that actually cared about me off the field or the court or anything like that, and, and it makes all the difference. But, Alvin, thank you so much for taking the time to come join us. Bobby, I appreciate really you guys. appreciate you being appreciate here, you man. Guys. My man, my man.